Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blurb, where the back of a book meets a discerning look. Each week, best-selling author Sally Shields and publishing guru Dr. Kent listen to pitches from five authors vying for Book of the Week honors. Now live, on the air, with vigor and style, are Dr. Kent and Sally, the bibliophiles. Hey there, this is Dr. Kent. Uh, it's another Wednesday night, and we're hosting Blurb on uh, Blog Talk Radio here. How are you doing, Sally? I'm doing just great, Dr. Kent. This is so fun. I'm really excited to be back here um, listening to wonderful pitches from some, a new slew of uh, wonderful um, authors. And we've had a two-week hiatus, and it's, um, it's going to be really great. Well, we got some interesting ones on the show today. Uh, I've had uh, the pleasure of listening in just a tiny bit uh, to them, and uh, I guess they're all a big surprise to you, though. Yeah, I was looking at the selection that, that you chose as you are our um, official picker of, of blurbs, and I was really excited to see the eclecticity, if that's a word, <laughs> of the group of artists, and, and, I, and especially, especially excited to hear uh, the winner from a couple weeks back and to rehear her blurb and to let everybody know about her book and um, what an exciting uh, young lady that she is. Well, and uh, what exactly makes a good blurb? Uh, apparently, uh, you don't have to be, uh, you know, 50, 60 years old to make a good blurb. <laughs> That's true. You know, we have basically narrowed it down to four components. We thought that it would be fun to sort of have a uh, barometer to, to judge these blurbs by, and we came down we came down to four distinct, uh, I guess you would call them, um, I don't know if you'd call them criteria, but we, we came up with bling, Clarity, information, and delivery. So if you can if you can get all all four of those and hit all four of those during your three minutes, I think you're going to uh, be pretty uh, well equipped to attract the uh, attention of any any potential reader out there, and that's a good thing. So if I was going to walk uh, down the street uh, and if I were a walking blurb, what would I look like? Do you think? <laughs> well, you know, you'd want to have a lot of a lot of enthusiasm. You'd want to really, you know, tell people what's in it for them. You know, it's really about what's in it for the reader. You, know, you want to think back of the book. What's going to grab the, the reader's attention, you know, in, in literally five or ten seconds? You know, people's attention spans are not that long, and especially um, these days with, with hundreds and hundreds of emails coming into people's inboxes on a daily basis, you've got to be able to capture people's attentions, you know, right off the bat. So you want to let people know what the name of your book is. You want to let people know what your vision is, what you're trying to accomplish. You want to let people know what kind of problem that you can solve for them. You want to let them know the benefits of your book and what's in it for them. And if you have a website and what else they can, you know, if there's anything else that you're offering to them, and uh, just make sure that you uh, let, you know, let them know about your book. Let them know what, you, what your message is. And my favorite part, of course, is the bling. And, and I, I like to think uh, it's like when I was visiting Sweden. You know, everybody looks all the same, and they're all beautiful and blonde and blue-eyed and whatever. Uh, but some of the kids, when they grow up, they say, hey, I don't want to look like everybody else. And they put uh, things in their noses and in their ears and uh, have crazy haircuts and different color uh, earlobes. 
And uh, uh, I guess bling is a little bit like that, and it's not all about bling. It's about information, and it's about clarity and, and, and those things. But uh, I, my favorite part is the bling, I think. I think that's great. Well, you know, I also love to hear an enthusiastic-sounding blurb, although we've found in, in previous shows that sometimes people's personalities vary, and not everybody is going to be, you know, hey, hey, look at me, you know, um, but they have a very subtle way of of communicating what their message is, and that can be great as well. You have to be yourself. I mean, that's the main thing. You want to uh, find out what makes you unique, what makes you stand out from the rest of the crowd. And something else comes to mind when I talk about that is that um, one of the things that you never want to say to the media is, um, you know, here's a book that's never been done before. Yeah. Here's, you know, th- th- people will see through that immediately because, as we all know, um, almost every topic on the planet has been written about and has been covered. So well, and people, and you're also setting yourself up for serious disaster if your book isn't all that. Exactly, exactly. So what you want to do is um, you want to praise the books that have come before you, and then you want to explain what it is about your book that makes it different from all the other books that have been out there on that subject, and that's the best way to approach it. Well, and Sally Shields is the author of a book. Uh, what makes your book different than all the other books? <laughs> well, what my, what, my book is called The Daughter-in-Law Rules, and my vision is to inspire more harmony among 20 million mothers and daughters-in-law around the world by teaching brides and wives the art of making friends with their husband's mother. So what makes my book different is that I don't take the therapist's approach of talking it out. Uh, instead, I give simple, short funny, witty strategies that you can actually do in about 30 seconds or less that are very effective and that will work for anybody. All right. And and what was that that you just did? <laughs> well, I gave a little bit of an elevator speech, um, which is quite different from a blurb. An elevator pitch is something that's a lot shorter. It's actually between five and ten seconds and I always joke well what if you were to meet you know Oprah in the elevator or what if you were to meet Steven Spielberg you know in the elevator you might have about 15 seconds to shake his hand and tell him what you're all about so again what you want to do is you want to state your name you want to state the name of your book you want to state what your vision is what you're out there you know trying to accomplish and you want to state what uh, problem that you can solve through your book and just getting all that information in, you know, you have to work on honing your, your little elevator speech, but it's very possible in two or three sentences to get that all in in a very succinct way. And you want to practice that because the media is so, so busy. And if you're pitching a radio station, you literally will have about five to, sec- five to ten seconds uh, with that producer on the line before they will let you know yes or no, we are interested or we are not interested. And you want to make sure that you can get across what it is that your book is about before they decide to pass. So it's very, very important for every author to have their elevator speech prepared uh, in case they do have that, that opportunity. And, and not only to meet Oprah or, or Steven Spielberg, but just to meet anybody at a party, on the street, a friend, you know, and always, always, always have a copy of your book on your person. I cannot tell you how important it is. I mean, you could be sitting on an airplane. I, I heard this really funny story. It was a guy, and he was on an airplane, and 
he was reading out of his own book and laughing hysterically. He was basically <laughs> trying to make a point. Like he was, he of course didn't tell the person sitting next to him that it was his book. But he's like, "Ah, oh, this is so funny! Wow, what a great statement!" And it turns out that the guy was—I don't know—it was just such an incredible coincidence. But the guy was somehow connected with with news, and he ended up getting on one of the major. Uh, uh, morning shows, and it was all because he had a copy of the book with him, and he whipped it out, and he was reading it, and or maybe he knew that the guy sitting next to him was from NBC, and he decided to, <laughs> to do it anyway. But it's just so important to have a copy of the book with you at all times. Whip it out, let people know what you're doing. It's it's always a good idea to just have it with you. Don't be shy. It's about networking. It's about letting people know what, what you know what you have to offer them. And, um, yeah, just keep it in your pocket, keep it in your purse. Just don't be caught without it. Well, and, uh, you know, i got to say uh, I, I'm happy you amended that because I was thinking, you know, if I meet Steven Spielberg in an elevator for 15 seconds, probably <laughs> all I'm going to get out is I love E.T. or something like that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and we all have to, we have to be really prepared for those moments because we do kind of turn to butter when, when we uh, meet people that we admire. Oh my goodness, indeed, and and you know, in terms of that amended statement, it's it's you know the, the people that you meet on a daily basis, it's just as important those people as as meeting you know the the occasional celebrity, because it's those people that that you can network with. I mean, just for an example, I think I may have used this example before, but uh, the fact that you know I was sitting in a restaurant with my husband, and this couple ended up nearly hitting him in the eye with a cork because they were celebrating <laughs> their engagement. It turns out that, you know, through the course of conversation that the guy had a sister who works on the Tyra Banks show, and the reason that I brought up my book was because I thought, oh, you're getting married, maybe you need some mother-in-law tips, just kind of as a joke, and the conversation went from there, I whipped out my book. He's like, oh, hey, you know, this would be good for the Tyra show, and I ended up uh, getting a full-page write-up on the Tyra Banks website just from that particular uh, encounter, the networking, the talking, not being shy about my book. And, um, you know, you can be humble, you can be shy, but, but you know, if you can do it in a way that's fun. And just talking about it is, is, is uh, really important to have that elevator pitch in your back pocket so you can kind of explain to anybody that you meet on the street what it's about. You never know who you're going to meet and what press you can get for free. Amen to that. Well, I, you know, I'm excited. I think, I think uh, I'm warmed up now. I'm thinking about books. I'm thinking about fresh, young authors. Let's listen to a blurb. Which one do you yeah. want to hear? Okay, um, gosh, let's just go with, uh, hmm, let's see here. How about, uh, oh, I got, a funny, I got a funny email from Dr. Peter Shield the other day, and he's one of our authors tonight. Do you want to start with that one? That, that, I was thinking about that, yeah. He, it's a spunky one. <laughs> he wrote me an email. He said, might we be related? Uh-oh. <laughs> funny. Well, funny. Let's listen to this one. Dr. Peter J. Shield uh, in the relationships category. Here we go. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Peter J. Shield, and I want to warn you, this material may prove hazardous to your wealth. Are you an older single man or woman looking to begin a sincere and loving relationship with a partner much younger than you in years? Or are you just a virile senior over 50 who enjoys the intimate company of younger partners? In either case, if you're looking for companionship of the younger kind, then a senior's guide to the dating game is the guidebook for you. It is my firm belief that loneliness is the most important contributing factor in the aging process. A senior's guide to the dating game 
offer several tried and proven tips and suggestions on meeting the partner of your dreams, or at least the partner of your night. I should point out that my degree is in art and archaeology, not medicine. I fell in love with an 18-year-old girl when I was 45 years young. My marriage of 25 years was failing due to the fact that our lifestyles had changed and we drifted apart. I was totally infatuated with Pauline, and she was starstruck. It was almost a year before we consummated our affair. Our romance was to last 11 years. We made love in dressing rooms around the world, in the midst of crowds, in shallow water, on a tropical beach, in rail carriages, and on cruise ships worldwide, in castles, palaces, and second-rate motels. In the years that followed, I was to enjoy the constant companionship of ladies some 30 years or more my junior. The decision to write this book was motivated by two factors, one to chronicle what have proven to be the most magical years I believe any man can experience, and two, to share with others the techniques that I believe have enabled me to spend the last 25 years in the companionship of younger partners, including my new 57-year-old bride. I should point out that I never intended initially to pursue such companionships. Today, at 76 years of age, I feel truly like a 30-year-old in both mind and body. A very out-of-condition 30-year-old, mind you, but 30 nevertheless. I'm not advocating that if you're happily married to someone of your own vintage, you should abandon him or her for a younger partner, should bid farewell to the stability of a happy home in favor of the high life. Many with whom I've spoken over the last few years have had separation forced on them through no desire or fault of their own. It is to them that I direct these thoughts. Yet how often in this journey we're forced to take a totally unplanned diversion that takes us to moments and places we would have otherwise never thought existed. It's on such an unscheduled route that I now invite you to accompany me. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. See, I knew, I knew you wanted to start with a good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that was so funny! I could almost—it it, to me, it tasted like strawberries. I wanted to listen to that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I—he's completely serious, or is he joking? No, I think he's serious. I think I think his tongue's in his cheek, but it's a—it's a serious book. But I, there's got to be a little bit of uh, uh, the humor that that came across. Oh, he is so funny, so funny. I—I I thought it was a. I thought it was great. You know what I liked about it? I liked the story up front, and that that reminds me of how important stories are. You know, whenever you mean the part, you mean the part where he talked about making love in shallow <laughs> fountains and on cruise ships worldwide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was almost like you were you started to envision all these scenarios. I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> the, but... the old the older man and the younger woman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, but but it did. It sort of drew you into the the whole visual and imagining the thing, and then he sort of went transitioned from the story to uh, you know how, exactly what kind of problem that he could solve and what uh, what he was um, what you know what he was offering to the reader, what he could offer to the reader. Well, and he, and he you know, there's also the question: Can one with with a topic like his, can you really? Uh, presented in any way that's not comic, uh, because 
you know, if you if you talk about it as a serious subject, uh, you know, people might start to question and say, well, you know, this and that. So if he presents it in this way with his kind of tongue-in-cheek uh, humor, it's a very effective way of presenting a serious book. Absolutely. And um, as well, uh, I, I think the accent helped a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it probably helped a lot in all of his little conquests, too. <laughs> Oh, my gosh, that was so funny. So what are we going to hear next? Well, I, I don't know. I could talk about his blurb all night, but uh, I think we should uh, maybe move on to something. Well, you know, he was uh, he might have been a little bit in the fictional uh, region. You, you never know. Uh, he might have made some of those up. Uh, let's, let's listen to a real fiction blurb. Okay. This one's by Art Noble. Block Talk Radio. Hi, this is Art Noble, author of The Sacred Female. I hold a degree in ocean engineering and an MBA where I did a lot of technical writing. Years ago, my poetic side broke through and my poetry is both published and read on NPR. I was raised in Key West where I lived in the Hemingway home for four years and managed to acquire the lamp under which Papa wrote, For Whom the Bell Tolls. I now write under this lamp. As a general rule, poets are lousy authors. I'm not that bad, but knowing this, I engaged the services of a top-notch editor to polish this romantic adventure into a real page-turner. Personally, I am blessed to have known and loved some fantastic women in my life and cursed with curiosity. This novel is about love and transcendent sex, reflective of personal experience. As a poet... I wanted to revel in the awesome mystery of this experience, but the engineer wanted to find out what was going on. The effects of love and transcendent sex can be life-changing, and this is the message. This is seen by the beneficial changes to Richard, also an ocean engineer, and Jean, a boutique owner. More than anything else in college, I learned to be a student. This novel reflects my expertise as a student. Be warned, this novel crosses the literary Rubicon in three places. One, there is intimate bedroom dialogue between Richard and Jean. Two, God is in the bedroom as a part of the transcendent experience. Three, the novel openly discusses female ejaculation. The language used is delicate and poetic rather than of the normal erotic novel variety. Feelings are more important than body parts and the F-word is used only once by another character. You will enjoy this novel. (laughs) (laughs) He was in the fiction category, I promise. Oh, no, I was just thinking they're going to think we're an adult show. Yes, indeed. Well, we are both adults. I think we can handle it. But you know, I, I, these are two these are two elderly men with incredibly interesting books. I have to say, and it you know that one. I mean, that guy's voice really has me at hello. Wow. I mean, gosh, I don't even know what to say. I mean, how could he? He was pulling in all of these. Um, the, yeah, I, I'm I'm speechless. I, you know, as far as the blurb itself was very well crafted. Now, what I found interesting was at the end where he said, well, there's three times where it, it, uh, 
you know, I have uh, literature no-nos, and then he talks about how God is part of the threesome. I thought that was that was a little amusing. But, you know, he definitely piqued my attention, I have to say. Well, me too. I mean, the fact that he was, you know, spent four years in the Hemingway House in Key West. I, you know, I've, have you, I have visited the Hemingway House in Key West. And that oh, wow. was quite, quite an experience with, with all of those cats. And uh, all of the cats have four toes. And uh, it just it was it was quite an amazing place to be. But just visualizing him being in that house and living there for four years, and then uh, writing under the lamp. The yeah, that, lamp. that he that he found and bought Papa Hemingway's lamp. You know, and, yeah. and we we know a lot about him. Uh, he he said he talked about uh, his own influences by talking about living in that house and about being a poet, having been on NPR. And then uh, he, he said right up front, he said, it's a novel about love and transcendent sex. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, he sure wasn't shy about that, that's for sure. Yeah, both, neither one of those blurbs were very shy. Maybe we'll get a shy blurb coming up. What do you think? Should we try one? Let's try, let's try one. Uh, let's try uh, a good old other category. Uh, John Darren Edwards here uh, with his blurb. Do you want your son or daughter to achieve outstanding grades and live a life without limitations? I know you said yes. So if you do nothing else for your teenager in 2009, you must give them the opportunity to read or listen to Student Mind Talent, the high school student's guide to great grades. Look at our world now. Terrorism is on the rise. We keep being told that we are in a recession and the planet is on the verge of dying if we do not act soon. We cannot solve these problems alone, but need the passion, the enthusiasm and the self-confidence of our younger generation. Without them, we are in real trouble. But how can we rely upon them when the dropout rate in U.S. schools is at an all-time high? Suicide rates for teenagers in Australia are the highest in the world. Our teenagers are looking for answers, but looking outside of themselves. Student Mind Power teaches teenagers that they are all blessed with the potential to change the world, and that the power is not outside of them, but it rests within. Hi, my name is John Edwards, and I come from the land down under, where I've been a high school teacher for the past 18 years. I've published several books, but Student Mind Power is a book that I've put my heart and soul into. I will take this message that I share with you now, around the world, to empower teenagers and parents with the knowledge that you can live the life of your dreams. If only you change your thinking, no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, your future can be great, and it can begin today. I expose teenagers to the untapped power of their mind so that they can create outstanding grades develop massive self-confidence, and live a life without limitations, so that they can take on the challenges that will face them, but instead of fearing them, to actually embrace them, knowing that the power rests within them to solve anything that they encounter. Teenagers will change their mindset to produce remarkable academic results using this easy-to-understand step-by-step guide. And once teenagers gain control over their academic results, their new mindset cascades into all areas of their life, actually programming them for success. Let me repeat that. Actually programming them for success. The delivery and content is exceptional. Teenagers immediately relate to real-life case studies and then explore tactics and strategies to turn their academic and life dreams into reality. Yes, there are books currently in the marketplace that explore study habits, but this book powerfully addresses how a teenager can change their lives by simply changing their thinking. Let 2009 be the year 
that they experienced massive academic victories, maybe for the first time ever, or perhaps greater success than they've ever had before. Get Student Mind Power, the High School Student's Guide to Great Grades now, and open the door to success for your teenager. Oh, it was a powerful ending on that blurb, um, <clears throat> and the the volume is is more uh, our fault than his, and you, you can't hold that against them. If if all of these folks were in a professional studio, uh, they could all sound like Barry White. But uh, as far as the content, I mean, he he really nailed it, uh, uh, and he told us his title right at the end, so it sticks in our brains. Yeah, I I thought it was great. I mean. He, you know, he wasn't shy about it. He was telling people, you know, what the benefits were, life without imitations, embracing the challenges, the power rests within them, remarkable results, programming them for success. And then he said the content is exceptional. He's got it loaded with case studies. I mean, all of these benefits are like, you know, shooting out, and you really can latch onto those, and it gets you excited about it. And I love the fact that he is a motivational speaker and that he's going around using his book as a calling card to inspire millions of teenagers around around the globe. So he has a powerful message, and he's using his book as a tool to get that message out and to improve uh, the world. So I, I, think it's a fant- I think he did a great job with his blurb. I know exactly what the book is about. I would absolutely read that book myself. I would give it to a teenager. Um, yeah, I think I think it was great. But here's one one criticism I would have is I think he he got warmed up somewhere in the middle, and uh, I, I like how it ended uh, because you know the first two blurbs I uh, I know what the books were about, uh, but I don't remember the titles. And he did a great job finishing with the title, but I wish he would have started in a similar way, uh, very clearly, uh, you know. Uh, very clearly uh, uh, and passionately talking about um, everything in a nutshell up top, getting me excited right at the beginning. Right. Okay. I can, I'm, I can. I can definitely understand that. I actually remember him talking about the student mind power, the high school student guide to great grades. But maybe it got lost because he was he didn't get into it quite right away. Yep. Yep. But overall, I thought that he did a very good job, like uh, with the bling and the clarity and and a the ton information. of information. A ton of information, and yeah. he delivered it quite well. Well, but I got to say, the two guys before had too much information. <laughs> a little TMI. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> well, uh, let's listen to another um, another one in a similar category, uh, nonfiction. Uh, Cheryl Kane. Okay. Our first woman blurb of the night. Here we go, Cheryl Kane. Love Talk Radio. I'm Cheryl Kane, author of Immersion Travel USA, the best and most meaningful volunteering, living, and learning excursions. Immersion Travel is for everyone at all ages and stages of life. Don't just visit, get involved. Take an active part where you visit in order to learn about the culture, traditions, and characteristics of each particular place experience it like the locals do. When I was in college, people were talking about immersing themselves in European cultures to learn about the people, the food, the language. And I said, wow, I want to do that right here in the United States. There's so much diversity right here I haven't experienced. And I hopped in my car and I began writing 
Immerse and Travel USA. I've divided it into five categories of helping, learning, working, caring, and playing trips with over 200 trips sprinkled with stories from travelers who have immersed themselves all over this great country. Helping, can you imagine biking from coast to coast and working on affordable housing projects as you go? Learning, experience life as it was in a covered wagon tour on the Oregon Trail. How cool is that? Working, get yourself a summer hire position as a park ranger in a national park. I worked in Denali National Park in Alaska. Caring, document Atlantic bottlenose dolphins along the East Coast, or you could work to reinstate the wolf in its natural habitat in the Grand Canyon. Playing. Can you just imagine a real immersion in an underwater vacation in the Keys in Florida? It's so great. So many of the activities that you can do right here in the United States, and many of them are free. Yes, free. There are others that are trades for service for room and board, and many with salaries. So enjoy Immersion Travel USA. Check out my website, ImmersionTraveler.com, and <laughs> the AP summed it all up for us. If you can't find a trip on these pages to get yourself up and going, check your pulse. I'm Cheryl Kane, Immersion Travel USA. Check it out, ImmersionTraveler.com. What do you think, Sally? I liked it. I mean, first of all, just the concept of exploring our own country uh, where you can actually get paid or free. And, and she mentioned so many amazing things that you, that you could do. People are always thinking about exotic vacations overseas, and she's right. There's so many things that you could do here. And it absolutely caught my attention. I, I found it to be a very exciting topic. At first I was thinking, oh, no, another Rick Steves Guide to Rome – but it sounded like she had her own spin on it, that she had really walked the walk, talked the talk. She had gone to over 200 um, vacations right here in the States and had come up with a lot of great ideas. And in terms of the blurb, she had tons and tons of information. So I loved it. I thought it was an excellent, excellent uh, blurb. Well, and, uh, <clears throat> I thought it was great, too. Uh, but the thing is, um, I wish, again, when I got to the middle of it, I was thinking, wait a minute, why didn't she hook me with this at the beginning? Because at the beginning, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, you said it was like Rick Steves Europe. I was thinking, wow, this is really boring. And then when she got to the middle and started saying all these things, I was like, hey, I'd like to try that. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe she could have put a little of that spice up front. That is a good point. So in other words, really get the, your juiciest stuff right up front, first couple of sentences, Hook the reader right away, hook the listener, and uh, you'll have a golden, golden blurb. You'll sell a lot of well, books. It's like a book itself. I mean, you know, um, books are very different than speeches or, or things like that. Or, uh, you know, the way we tell stories, we ease into things. Well, in a book, you can't do that. In a book, you've got to um, attract somebody with the front cover, with the spine, with the blurb on the back. And then you've got to attract them with that first chapter, with the first sentence, because we don't have any attention spans anymore. That's right. That's a very, very good point. Um, but as she got into it, no, I absolutely, um, 
yeah, if she could have put some of that stuff right up front, like she had me at the bottlenose dolphins. <laughs> I was like, okay, you can just stop right there. Tell me where to go to get the dolphins. I, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Well, and uh, we've got some. We had some great blurbs on today. They're so uh, varied and different, uh, but they're all um, uh, blurbs. Uh, they're all so similar because you always start with something that's really spicy. You want to attract people. Uh, you know, put up a sign and say, "Hey, I'm over here." And then kind of go through the details of it. And one one thing I liked uh, about her is she she made me uh, key into the internet uh, immersiontraveler.com. Very very important. Yeah, that's excellent excellent. Every every author needs a website. As soon as you come up with an idea for your book, ladies and gentlemen, please get a web domain with your book title if possible. And if it's taken. You can always add the word book to the end. You can always, you know, immersiontravelerbook.com if for some reason that had been taken. But you absolutely need your website, um, and you need to let people know where they can go to, to find this book and to find more information about you. So that is one of the most important parts about a blurb that you can tell. And, and just while we're talking about it, um, another great idea is to have a business card with the cover of your book on the front, and on the back, you can just have you know your name and your website and your phone number and maybe a couple other things, whatever you'd like. But uh, having a business card with your website and the cover of your book will go a long way. I, I have um, I never leave home without that, and I've had some really great experiences by just having a bunch of those cards and le- sprinkling them here at the local bagel shop, putting them up at the Stop and Shop where they, they're bulletin boards. And you just want to do that. You want to you really want to focus on becoming famous in your own community and then starting in your own neighborhood and getting, you know, getting the buzz going there and then it can just kind of start making buzzes and waves and concentric circles but you got to start small and and something like having your book on a business card uh in your own hometown and just sprinkling them around everywhere is a great way to start. Absolutely. And um, <clears throat> I have to say, uh, uh, at the same time as we're talking here, I'm always on Twitter. I've got a, a, a split brain, if you will, and uh, I'm always uh, social mediaing away. And people can find us on the web at, at blurbradio.com and Twitter us and tweet us, whatever. But I have to read a, a joke that uh, that uh, Island Princess just uh, wrote on Twitter. Uh, and it's uh, a termite walks into a bar and asks, is the bar tender here? <laughs> anyway, I had to say that out loud. Uh, i, I got to write that down to tell my six-year-old tomorrow. <laughs> is the bar tender here? Uh, well, you know, on that note, I think uh, I'd like to listen to another, uh, another, other. Uh, we, we listened earlier to John Darren Edwards, and uh, now we've got Diana Estill, and I believe she submitted this uh, only... Uh, uh, yesterday or a couple days ago. So let's listen to this one. Uh, uh, this is our fifth blurb of the day by Diana Estill. Here we go. Love Talk Radio. Do you ever wonder how you're going to make it through tomorrow? Is your home value declining faster than John Edwards' reputation? Has your 401k become a 40 not so okay? Then it's time to let go of your worries and have a good laugh. My new book, B.D. Divine's Totally Skewed Guide to Life, helps find the fun in life's frustrations. 
in chapters with titles like Family That Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger, I, Didi Divine, dish out comedic and useful advice. I share the secrets for weight loss, marital bliss, and financial success, all of which I have failed at numerous times, which makes me the perfect coach in these matters, provided you follow a contrarian strategy. Midwest Book Review says Didi Divine's Totally Skewed Guide to Life is utterly entertaining reading, and I must say that it truly is, because I wrote it. This book will uplift your spirits and change your life, or at least your outlook. Get your copy of Didi Divine's Totally Skewed Guide to Life today from your favorite bookseller. Visit totallyskewed.com, that's skewed with a K by the way, to read a free excerpt, because darling, we all need a little something free right now. But don't delay that book purchase, because there's no such thing as an unemployment check for authors. <laughs> cute. That was charming. Very cute. And I gotta say, uh, you know, she she didn't use her whole three minutes. Um, she could have definitely put some more content in there, and I could listen to her all day. I gotta say that. Yeah, she well, first of all, she had me with the accent right from the get-go. I don't know what it is about these accents tonight, but that was absolutely adorable. At first, I was thinking, okay, well, here's somebody that, uh, uh, you know, she 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 really set us up there. You know, are, are you broke? Are you getting divorced? And I was thinking, oh, no, this is so depressing. And then she just came in with the, with the, you know, all of the uh, – the things, the comedic and useful advice, marital bliss and financial success, and uh, I like the the benefits. It will uplift your spirit, will change your life, and also in terms of the marketing, which I'll just throw in there, uh, she has a free gift to give away on her site, and I'm going to recommend that everybody consider having a freebie on your website to give away so that you can start building a list, building an email list, a small herd of followers that love you, and one one of the best ways to do that is to have something that you give away on your website, you know, for in exchange for people giving you their email address and their name. Uh, the, you know, one of the, the easiest things to do is give away the first chapter of your book. I mean, what could be better than that? It can it gives them a taste of the book. It, it hooks them in, and um, it's it's a wonderful uh, advertisement for your book. So that was an absolutely great thing that she demonstrated there on her blurb. Well, and I gotta say, you know, <clears throat> the way her little charming, uh, uh, where she said, you know, everybody needs something free right now, <laughs> and uh, I mean, she could sweet talk anybody into buying her book. Yeah, I thought it was really, really cute, and she's funny. She's funny, so um, I, I thought it was really, really good, and and she um, she wasn't shy about it, and she she let you know what the benefits of the book were, and. I think it, it was, I could have used, like you said, I could have used more information, more uh, in the deliver. you know, she could have delivered even more information, gave us some more examples, because I know she said it was peppered with uh, a lot of uh, examples, and she had been through a few uh, failed relationships and uh, some sticky family situations. It would have been funny to maybe hear a story, uh, a demonstrated uh, story, but um, but basically it was it was short and sweet. I think she did a good job overall. And she, the one thing that'll stick with me is she said, "Well, you know, the reason the reason I'm perfect for writing this book is because I've been through all these things and and I made all these mistakes." And she says, "As long as you take the contrarian approach." Yeah, I love that. That was great. It kind of reminded me, reminded me of the daughter-in-law rules because uh, I always tell people, 
you know, people ask me, uh, why are you qualified to write this book? And I said, well, I made every mistake in the book. And now I know how to tell you, now I can help save other young wives years of needless contention. So, yeah, that's, that's an important factor. What makes you the expert? Why should and, people listen to you? And something, uh, uh, you know, that I notice uh, in talking with you and, and in these blurbs is that uh, every great author uh, is really good at selling themselves. And uh, you have to realize that you are the commodity, and that's, that's something that uh, the great blurbs also show. And that uh, uh, she, she definitely, Diana definitely showed that in her blurb. She, she knows that she's selling herself. Um, and uh, as a comedian, she's probably already comfortable with herself. A lot of authors aren't necessarily comfortable uh, with the product that they're selling, which is themselves. Yeah, it's interesting because um, a couple nights ago I attended a, a vision board party in, in New York, and it was being filmed uh, by BetterTV.com. And the, the lady running it, Dr. Susan Shumsky, she had written a, a wonderful book called uh, The Miracle of Prayer. And the first thing she did was to tell everybody, here's my book, it's great. It's a fantastic book. You need to read it, and here's why. <laughs> and it was just, at first I was a little put off, but then the more she talked and the more that we got into the evening and she was sharing her expertise, I was very glad that she had spoken so highly about her book because with all of the choices of books out there and how busy we are, you really have to convince me to put the time into opening your book. And if she that, feels that strongly, and she said it several times through the evening, this is a great book. And I told her I told her at the end, I said, you know, I'm really glad that you told me how great your book was. And she said, well, of course, it is a great book. And I was like, well, yeah, that's awesome. I said, you know, that's – she goes, don't you say that about your book? And I said, well, not exactly in that way. And she said, well, you should. And I <laughs> thought it was interesting. I really thought it was interesting, and it was it was powerful, and I will read her book. Well, and it's it's a different thing. Um, uh, you know, there's two different things: uh, uh, selling a book, or you know, uh, being uh, boastful about a family member or something. You know, you're 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 taught from a young age not to be boastful and to not say, "Oh, I'm the best," or this and that. But once you go into business, uh, once you uh, write a book, once you're you're out there in the world and trying to sell this thing, trying to sell yourself, trying to you know make your way. In the business world, you, you do have to uh, boast. I mean, that's what it's about. You have to say, "Here's here's what I'm offering," and uh, you don't have to be prideful, but you can say, "This is a great book. This is perfect for you." Or, uh, you know, especially if you're aiming for your target audience, uh, you know, talk directly to them and say, "This is the book you need," because blah blah blah. Exactly. And and while we're waiting for uh, for our little cute little thirteen year old author to call in, um, what I do with like to suggest to to authors is that you know it's it's not easy to sell to sell a book selling a book is is just not an easy thing especially if you're selling one-offs on amazon.com for example or if you got a couple books here and there in bookstores across the country and one of the best ways to sell a book is to use your book as a calling card to 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 um basically go around and deliver your message through speaking engagements and one of the tricks that I learned is that what you do is you use you you um you tell the person who's hiring you that part of the prerequisite for the engagement is that every person attending must pre-purchase a copy of your book and that becomes part of your salary. And that is a great great way to get your book into the hands of many people. 
all in one fell swoop. So um, really think about who is your who is your market, who is your target market, and I cannot stress that enough. I mean, you could spin your wheels forever uh, trying to sell your book to everybody on the planet, but until you actually go to your audience, the people that are interested in your in your subject, you might have a very frustrating time. And I could just give an example of that: is that um, you know, basically, uh, I tried to sell. Uh, interest a lot of people online you know I did the whole online thing marketing to a lot of different groups and when I finally buckled down and thought let me try to really go into the the bridal shops in my area and see what the response is and people were just going wild I was calling local bridal shops they want to have me come speak they want to do events around it and once you find your market even if it's a small niche that is, you know, you want to drill deep and not so wide. If it's a small niche, you have a way better chance of selling your book than if you're too broad a topic. So don't be afraid of going to small groups that are very, very interested in what you have to tell them. And I can't stress that enough, just how important it is to find out who your market is, who your target audience is, and then go there and find them and tell them about your book because they don't know about your book and you're doing them a service by telling them about your book. They need your book, and they need to know about it. And I think your uh, uh, um, analogy <clears throat> that you quickly said with the uh, drill deep and not, uh, what did you say, deep and not what? Not too wide. Not too wide. Well, it's it, for me, I've got this image of like a, a big uh, farmer's field, and uh, he says, man, you know, I, I know there's water down there somewhere. You could you could drill really shallow about 100 places and you're not going to get to the water. But if you go down, you know, 10 feet straight down, you're going to hit the water. Oh, I and, like that. I mean, well, it's the, it's the analogy you said, but I, I was really sort of <laughs> visualizing it, you know, and it really makes sense because uh, uh, that is the way the book industry is. you got to hit that spot and really uh, keep going for it. Yeah, and it will grow from there. So, um yeah, you know, they say you could try to please everyone and you end up pleasing no one. So it's just, uh, you know, it's, if you have a small niche and you have a very small niche and you're worried about that, don't be. It's great. You know, you could be the expert on, you know, uh, uh, red, red-backed beetles. And you might think, well, who in the world is going to care about that? Well, you could find a bunch of very, very enthusiastic red-backed beetle lovers and you could have a very successful bestseller on your hands. <laughs> Now, what is a redback beetle? I don't know. I just made it up. Nice. Well, on that note, I think um, I'm not sure if our young friend is going to call in. Uh, no, hopefully I just we'll... got an email from Julie, and she uh, she did say she was going to call in around 20 of. Maybe what we could do is at least play her, her blurb, the winning blurb from a couple weeks ago. Absolutely. And, I mean, it might be after her bedtime. I mean, or or it might be that her parents tuned into the first part of the show to our X-rated part, and maybe they uh, decided she couldn't call in. It's possible. <laughs> well, well, let's listen to her. Our last week winner, uh, J.K. Hawkins, and you said she's 13. Yeah, and she was she was 12 when she wrote the book, and she's 13 now. So um, I'm I'm real excited about about her, and uh, really really thrilled to have such a young talent uh, emerging here. So you don't have to be an old, uh, uh, dirty gentleman to, to read a blurb. <laughs> I won't get over those first two blurbs. They're they're great. Okay, so let's listen to J.K. Hawkins in the children's category, the winner from uh, from a couple weeks ago. 
Allow me to introduce myself. My name is J.K. Hawkins. I'm 13 years old and the author of a humorous new children's series, My Weird Family Series. My first book, My Vampire Cousin, was released in July of 2008. The story introduces readers to 12-year-old Alice Trivet, a curious little girl who believes her only living relative is her mother. Boy, is she in for a surprise. One day, while Alice is roaming the woods behind her house, she stumbles upon a mysterious castle, a castle that holds unimaginable secrets about her family history. As she explores the castle, she finds that she is not alone. A creepy man with a cape is trailing her, and he introduces himself as her cousin. It doesn't take long for her to figure out that this so-called cousin of hers is a vampire, and he'd like to invite her to be his dinner. My Weird Family series, My Vampire Cousin, immerses readers in a land where monsters are as close as kin. I began this series at the age of eight and have over 20 stories written for the series. Each story takes Alice to meet another family member until, one by one, she has met them all. That is, if she can survive. But Alice is clever, and so long as she can outwit her relatives, she just might survive without being turned into a vampire, or a fairy, or a mummy, or a sea monster, or, well, you get the idea. The idea for My Vampire Cousin hit me while watching a vampire movie. In the movie, I noted that the vampires were nearly indestructible, with the exception of sunlight and holy water. Then I thought to myself, what if a vampire couldn't even be hurt by that? And what if he had a human cousin who could outwit him? Long story short, since I hate to end a book or kill off characters, the human became 12-year-old Alice Trivet, who goes on a journey to meet her monster relatives. My Weird Family series, My Vampire Cousin, is perfect for kids of all ages, even those gray-haired kids at heart. The book, packed full of non-stop action, adventure, humor, and amusing illustrations, leaves readers anxious to get their hands on the next installment. I'm very excited to announce that in June of 2009, a new edition of My Vampire Cousin, as well as the second book in the series, My Werewolf Brothers, will be released. I hope readers will enjoy Alice through her adventure as she discovers the identities of her monster family members, dodges things, and searches for the way out of the monster world. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Well, now, i got to ask you, what do you, if you were her and you were with Steven Spielberg in the elevator, what would your elevator speech be? Oh, wow. Well, you know, elevator speeches take, believe it or not, they're two or three sentences long, but you really have to work on them. I, I can't just pull one out. I have to get really the... I mean, do you, do you say, I wrote this, I'm 13 and I wrote 20 books and uh, this one's about a vampire? <laughs> My name you, is Julie are, are you are you able to bring a little bit of the plot in? What do you do in those couple sentences? Gosh, you know, I think she, she should just tell tell him that she's, uh, you know, what her name is, the name of the book that she's written. And, um, you know, it's a little bit different for nonfiction. Fiction and nonfiction are so different because you really have to rework your ele elevator pitch. Eleva ele elevator pitches, excuse me, I can't even speak, um, are designed to sort of let the reader know what's in it for them and what problem we can solve. And it's a little bit different criteria when you have a nonfiction. So that that would be uh, an interesting um, project to come up with an elevator speech for a, for a fiction book. 
Yeah, I gotta say, um, listening to her blurb makes me want to write about vampires. <laughs> it's so perfect because she just like rode the wave. She's watching a vampire movie. Uh, she rode the wave of that success and just like jumped on that. And now, and, and did she watch movie. a vampire movie at like eight or what? Well, that's a good point. I think so because she said she started writing it at eight and that she was inspired by watching a vampire movie. <laughs> You're right. So this could have and been. And then, and then I'm thinking. You know, she's writing about her relatives, and each one's a different kind of monster. Yeah. Man, she's got some strange relatives. <laughs> it's so creative, and it's wonderful, and it's it's just fantastic that she is such a young, you know, a young lady, and just all these ideas are flowing out of her, and that she's put the effort into creating. Now, she said she has 20 stories. I wonder if these are 20 separate books, or if uh, they're all sort of, you know, in one book, or... Are you? Do you happen to know how that's put together? I have no idea, um, no. but uh, she's definitely inspired me to look uh, in in more depth at that. And she's she's a precocious girl, and uh, we're happy that uh, uh, she won last week, uh, a couple weeks ago. And we'll hopefully invite her on again. We can we can have a couple uh, winners on in the same show, uh, maybe on the next show. Yeah, indeed. It was it was it had the bling. I loved her delivery. Uh, it was adorable the way she was very upbeat and very enthusiastic and clear and um, she had it all. I, li- I felt that she had it all. It was just we we when we heard her speak, we just thought you know that's that's just such a great blurb, and she was um, so creative and so young. We really wanted to highlight highlight Julie. So. Now, this week we're going to be determining uh, who the winner, uh, uh, the blurb of the week will be, and uh, we're going to post that on our website, uh, blurbradio.com, and we listen to uh, five blurbs, as we do every week, and uh, this week they were especially amusing. Uh, i I, I got to say I sort of hand-picked them to be amusing, but uh, I didn't know they would fall quite that way. <laughs> yeah, that was quite the coincidence there with those two uh, seniors there going at it. So um, yeah, quite quite funny. All right, so let's let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, uh, in in the book industry. What is this blurb for? What do we use it for? Is it uh, it's too long for the back of the book? It's too short for the first chapter. Uh, it might be a, a one sheet which goes out to stores. Uh, what is what is a blurb? Well, I think it's you know it's a combination of everything that you just said. It's you know you're going to be needing to go out and and find your people on the internet. You're going to be needing to write about what you're going to be wanting to do is create articles based on your topic, and that's one of the most powerful um, promotion strategies that 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 an author can do is to create articles based on your topic. And what you can do is simply take some of these ideas that you're putting into your blurb and expand them. Like, again, you know, taking one idea and drilling deep, maybe taking the three main topics that you're, that you're discussing in your blurb and creating a short two to three hundred word article maybe from each of those ideas. And uh, hopefully all of you are familiar with um, uh, this wonderful website called easingarticles.com. That's e-zine, like magazine, but just e-zine, E-Z-I-N-E, articles.com. And everyone listening to this show, if you don't have an account with e-zine articles, please, after you listen to this show, go there right now, set up an account, and if you need help uh, with your article writing or getting started writing articles, you can grab a couple of 
free templates to get you started right away um, from the desk of Jeff Herring. Jeff Herring is uh, the article guy. You can Google him. And I got started writing my – at first it seemed really overwhelming. Article writing, I just finished writing a book. Now you want me to write articles? But they're not that hard. And it's, if, you can, if you can talk about your book, you can write an article, that's for sure. And it doesn't take a long time. It took me 15, 20 minutes to write my first article, and now I'm getting even faster. Um, but if you go there, it'll show you exactly uh, different ways you can write it. You can even, I think, for, for a very reasonable fee of $27, he'll send you something like 30 templates of article, you know, article templates. And you just fill in the blanks. And all of this information that you're gathering about your book is great because it, it just helps you focus on the different things that your book is about. And you really need to get used to talking about your book, get used to talking on the radio, get used to your messaging points. You really want to hone your message. The most important thing that you can do when you get on radio is you want to boil it down basically to, to three main messaging points because generally these radio shows run between three and five minutes. And the producers, you know, will you will provide them with questions about your book. And you will need to have basically between three and five bullet points. Three, I would say three main uh, topics or three main um, little kind of, uh, not hints, but uh, pieces of advice, so to speak, that you can give to people right off the bat. Three pieces of, in, of three main topic points that you can talk about. And these are, all of these things you know, count when it goes into a blurb. You, you can expand them against so articles, getting on the radio, honing your message points, speaking in sound bites. These are all the kinds of things that you just sort of need to get good at when you start to go promote your book. So doing a blurb is a really good uh, way to just get all those ideas down so that you can start then branching out and doing some of these other promotional tidbits. Well, it's been a blast hosting uh, Blurb again with Sally Shields uh, on Blog Talk Radio here. And we've been competing against American Idol, so our, our most loyal fans here are, are listening to us live. And otherwise, uh, we appreciate for you tuning in uh, via our podcast. And you can find that at blogtalkradio.com or at blurbradio.com. And I'm excited uh, to make a decision about these five blurbs here in the next day or so. Me too. It's always fun trying to figure out who to pick. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's always a challenge because everybody's blurb has a little something special to it, and everybody, in my opinion, is a winner. But since it is a small contest, we do have to pick someone. So please, please check out the blurbradio.com and find out who our featured author of the week is going to be next week. And if you're an author listening to the show, uh, write to us, contact us. We'll send you some details on how to create your very own blurb, and we look forward to promoting your wonderful work. And uh, this is a place, it's a place that we want to help support authors and give them great advice and help inspire them and give them great ideas for how to, how to publicize your book. And Dr. Kent is one of the great, great uh, idea men of all times, and he's constantly um, giving me these ideas that just boggle my mind. So pick our brain, come join us, and, and uh, write to us. Contact us. Tweet us. <laughs> yeah. Anything you can figure out. Well, we, we appreciate you tuning in, and, and check us out at BlurbRadio.com. And next week, uh, we'll, we'll be back with, uh, hopefully, our winning author, uh, uh, J.K., from uh, a couple weeks ago, and then also our winner from this week. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to that outro music. What about you? All right. Yeah. There we go. 
Thanks for tuning in to Blurb. Check us out on the web at blurbradio.com. Thank you to Sally Shields for another great week of blurbs and chatting. Thank you, Dr. Kent. It's been an absolute pleasure, and we look forward to next week. And be safe. Read a good book.